Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to the Real Estate Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, we have a great friend in the house, Mr. Mo. What's up, what's up, what's, what's up, going man? on, man? How are you? Good, man. How are you, bro? Good. Uh, it's kind of funny because we were saying, how are you? We're doing well in that. We've been talking for almost two hours. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. Literally shooting the shit for about two hours. Yes, but, but Mo, man, tell me about yourself, brother. Where where do you come from? So, um, in my, you talking about like real estate career or just... Your life. More my life. Your I'm, life. I'm Palestinian. I'm Palestinian. Were you born? I was... So, okay. So, I'm Palestinian, born in Syria. Lived in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Came to the United States in 1990. Oh, wow. How old were you when you left Saudi Arabia? Uh, I was uh, exactly nine years old. Nine. I came here in nine okay. years Okay. Fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. Oh, wow. I came here, yeah. And uh, how do you guys end up coming from there to the U.S.? Um, for a better opportunity. So, actually, no, the reason is my uh, my dad, when once you you finish high school, if you're not from Saudi Arabia, you you cannot go to college there. Got it. So we had to either go back to Syria or my uncles lived in Philadelphia at the time. In okay. The US. So it was a it was an open door for us to come here, and then you applied for the visa. Right. Every two three thousand people apply for visa, nobody gets it, and we got lucky, and we. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we actually got it right around the Persian Gulf War. Wow. So we got it, we left, and then that's when. That was saying attacked. That's in that Kuwait. Uh, Kuwait yeah. and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So now, so you, you, how old were you? Nine, you said? Nine years Nine old. Nine years old. Nine so years you, old. and you guys got to Philly right away or? Okay. New York. New York, okay. New York to Philly. My uncles lived there. We, um, so we had a picture in our head that we used to watch Full House and all that stuff on TV that America is this beautiful place. But then we, we moved. My uncle lived in North, North Philly. North Philly is one of the worst Areas Places, at the time. Right. In Philly. And we lived in North Philly on Broad and Diamond. Worst probably street in Philadelphia at the time. Wow. And um, I remember the first night we came in, I was like, man, this don't look like, like what full, full house, house looked yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. And then we moved in. We lived there for like three to four months till we went schools and everything. So it was, it was a struggle the first year. So we definitely came from the bottom, man. So what, what did your... Uh, dad do at the time for a living here so for a living he had a little he had a little bit of money when he came in here and he wanted to start a business okay so he had two options one option was which i wish he did was to buy this building in north philly which actually was in temple university at the time okay it was a five unit building that somebody was selling for sixty thousand dollars wow bringing in i think at the time like twelve hundred fifteen hundred dollars a month in rent which is a lot of money back then back then yeah or buy a 7-Eleven franchise. Typical Middle Eastern business. So my uncles are like, no, nah, you don't want to do nothing with real estate. Buy the 7-Eleven franchise. And he bought a 7-Eleven franchise. Wow. And we all, the whole family, we still work in the store, in the 7-Eleven, working. So I grew up. Working in 7-Eleven. Working in 7-Eleven and running a business. When I Did was, you actually get paid? Never, never. You never got no, paid? No, never, never, never. So working for dad, we used to like, I mean, he used to give us think five hours a week, 10 allowance right. or whatever it is right. to go to school with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lunch was like 50 cents back then. Right. Actually, no, we didn't even pay for lunch because we were getting free lunch because we were right. poor. You know what I mean? But um, 
So it was either a 7-Eleven franchise or now. Now, take that building. It was 1402 Diamond Street. Whoever listening to this and that knows Philly, 1402 West Diamond Street right now, that building probably worth like $2.5 million. Wow. $2.5 million. I actually, I know the guy that owns that building now. And this is in the 90s, right? Early, 1990, early 90s. 1991, he could have bought it. He, he had it, and the guy was begging him to buy it for 60 grand. And I think he could have got it for probably like 45 to 50 grand. Wow. That same building right now, because it's in the heart of Temple University. I don't know if you heard of Temple University. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Temple is big, basketball team, whatever. Right. Temple, that building right now is worth, I would say, easy two, two and a half million dollars. Wow. Four or five unit, like three, four thousand square feet. So, so we did the 7-Eleven franchise. So you worked in 7-Eleven until when? Man, we ended up. So my father passed away in 1997. We kept with the business. Me and my brother ran in, my sisters, my mom, and everybody till, man, I got to like almost right at, like college, like I uh, so now, 10, 10 years. Now, did you go to college there in uh, in, yeah. in Philly? Yeah, I went to college. I went to Penn State University. Okay, they went. So all my life growing up, I hated Seven Eleven so much that I wanted to get my family out of it. Seven Eleven fr franchise, by the way, is one of the worst franchises ever. Right. They take fifty two percent of the profit. Wow! Yeah, it's a very, it's like a almost like a mafia kind of. Wow! Yeah, you don't make no money doing it. So, I always wanted to be. I was always into business since I was like, I mean, I grew up in a business. So, growing up, I wanted to get my family out of the Seven Eleven yeah. business. So I tried commercial office cleaning, vending machines. We opened up a restaurant. Oh, man, um, medical billing, selling popcorn at a kiosk in in the mall, all different kinds, like up to when I was in high school. Yeah, you were an entrepreneur. I was. Literally, you were I, throwing darts. See which darts, one sticks. Man, darts, darts, Get darts. <laughs> and, and every business doesn't work. Five, six months. All right, next one. Let's go. Yeah. And that was my problem. I never tried to figure it out. So when I was like. So yeah, was, you were waiting for instant. Uh, success, success, I guess. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. I used to watch all the infomercials, Carlton Sheets. His, I had his uh, thing. Um, I forget the other guys, man. What, what, oh, the 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 guy from Phoenix. Um, oh man, Don Laprie. You, Don Laprie, dude. Yeah. Don Laprie, I, I actually had him, bro. I, I, w I wish he was alive, bro. <laughs> yeah. Because Don Laprie was probably one of the best sales guys I've ever seen on TV, yes. bro. Yes, amazing. He'll freaking sell. Anything. anything i used to an eskimo and you know he ended up committing suicide really oh, yeah wow. um and uh, i think maybe don't quote me on that if uh maybe i'm wrong but i think that's what he did oh wow because okay. uh, he he got caught up in the middle of something with the 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 stuff that he was running yeah, yeah. uh the education and all that but um dude i bought i bought some uh, uh and this is back in the late 90s, 90s. probably 97 98 like he was selling like posting ads on posting the newspaper. I had that one. You did that shit. I did, that shit, <laughs> I did it too. <laughs> but I, I, I never made money right? on it. No, no, no. no like no. I just bought the thing and I posted I did the ads. Everything I did: Don Lepre, Carlton Sheets, all the stuff that used to like. I used to get letters, so my name was on a list somewhere. So I used to get all kinds of stuff. Like all you got to do is mail this letter to ten people, and yeah. they send you this. And I did it. I did. Yes, uh, put a dollar in it. <laughs> put a dollar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send this, send that. Um, man, I did. I did a lot of stuff, and I even did the programs where you were, you pay somebody three grand, and they pay cash gifting. Yeah, that's cash like uh, that, that's a, 
That's uh, it. Uh, that's uh, we call that. Um, we had it in our culture where people. Like, oh, in Venezuela, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, Same in, thing in, bro, average, in yeah. Venezuela, they came up with one called La Vuelta, which means the circle. Yeah. Okay. Circle, yes. So, but check this out. This one was legit because what they did is they went to, uh, and, and this started somewhere around the early 2000s. Okay. They were buying debt from the service companies to the oil, from the oil companies in Venezuela to the service companies. Yeah. Right. So let's say, I don't know, Slumberjay uh, had an outstanding uh, bill to collect from PDVSA for a million bucks. They will go to Slumberjay and say, hey, uh, we'll give you 600 grand. Give us the bill. We'll collect the rest. Yeah. And they're like, hell yeah. Go, go. you know, go. So, right off the, the so what happened was they started doing this, but they needed to raise capital for it. So they started raising money, private money, to go buy these debts. Nice. And they were giving the people from the money all these high interests oh, wow. on a monthly basis. So the whole cash cycle started, and it was working until Chavez killed it one way or another yeah, with yeah. a new law or whatever. But at that time, there were billions of dollars already into it. Yeah. And what happened was the brokers that were on the top, they were the ones that walked away with all the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, that was a freaking scam from day oh, one, yeah, dude. Yeah. So I did that stuff, man, cash gifting. Where you bring in two people and you give them thirty five hundred, the first one goes to your whatever. I did all that stuff. I oh, so in high school, I believe it or not, man, I I used to work at the Seven Eleven, go to high school, in the weekends, go, work at the Seven Eleven in the weekends, and then because my father passed away in, in my junior year in high school, so we had to step up. Me, and my brother, take care. I have my two sisters, my mom. So, but I hated that Seven Eleven business because like. You weren't even an entrepreneur. You were just no, you're, you're, no, no. And you, you like bought my a, mom and my sisters worked in the morning shift. My no, your 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 dad bought a job for everybody. Bought, that, he bought that, a job. That's what he did exactly. And I mean, I think best month there was you were making four or five grand a month. Whole family working, yeah, like four, five, six grand max. So I mean, it was great cash business, but you're literally just a high paid manager for some. Yeah. So I wanted to like keep. Finding the business and keep finding the business. So then when I was, I graduated high school in 1998, and my mom was like, you're going to college. And I was like, no, I'm not going to college. I want, I'm gonna, I want to be a businessman. I want to take care of you guys and whatever. She was like, listen, like out of all my sisters and brother, my, my, my brother and my sisters, they, they went to college, but they never graduated because we were trying to help family. To business. So we were always like together. You know what I mean? Yeah. But she was like, you're going to go to college. No matter what you do, I don't care if you want to become a millionaire and you're already making a millionaire. You're going to go to college, get a piece of paper, throw it in the trash. But at the end of the day, you have that piece of paper. Yeah, you have a piece of paper. So I was like, you know what? No problem. I wasn't into grades. I wasn't into studying. I think I graduated high school, man, like a two, five, two, six. I wasn't into it. I was into business. In my mind, I was very passionate about business. But then I was like, you know what? No problem. I remember I, I applied to Penn State. My SAT score was like an 850, 900. I forget what it was. Very low. But they were like, we'll put you on this program. You got to go in front of a committee and say why we want to accept you as a minority. So I go and I give them my spiel. I was like, my dad died. And I, they felt bad for me, I guess, at the time. And they accepted me to Penn State, which was like a very rare thing. Going to Penn State with like an 800 SAT score. 
So, I so they in. probably had to. I think because, they had to. Yeah, yeah. They're they, like they get uh, you know, they get um, all these um, um, what do you call it? Maybe they have to get X amount of people through yeah. different programs. Different programs. Minorities. So they were like, you know what? Put this Arab, you put the, Arab kid. Yeah, they put the kid His here, mom man. is a widow, whatever. Yeah. So they, I got accepted. So now, like, I went to people that are know Philly. I went to George Washington High School, which was one of, it was a great area in Northeast Philadelphia, but I think the school was one out of ten. I never learned anything in high school. So I got there in English class. I'm 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 in school with kids from the suburbs. They know how to write a full paragraph and everything. I never was I never knew how to write a full paragraph. Wow. In English class, we they used to pop the movie and be like, "Don't read the book. Here, watch the movie in class." That's how bad the school was. So I struggled. So I was like, "Man, forget college. I'm not. This is not for me." But my mom was like, "You're gonna finish. You're never gonna quit. Get a tutor. Do whatever." So that experience going through college was great because it made me never learn not to quit and to like just push and keep going. So what uh, so you went to college for what? What do you graduate on? Business. Business, okay. Fin- finance well, I I went to it was a finance degree. So I went to a satellite campus of uh Penn State. It was in Penn State Adventist. It was like 15 20 minutes from my house. You go there for two years and you're supposed to go to to main campus after right. two years. Go to two. Uh, I I got accepted to go to main campus after two years, but I really couldn't go because I was still trying to help the family with the business. So all my boys went. We used to go there party all the time. I, Penn State main campus. You're talking about like sixty, seventy thousand kids. Parties, yeah. Central, party central. So, but I was like, man, I gotta stick with the family, help my yeah. family because my mom, my sisters, whatever. So I stayed, and I was like, I'm gonna just get this piece of paper and get it, get it out of the way. Long story short, I graduate now, but I'm still pursuing businesses, opening businesses and losing. And But I'm talking about like small businesses, like commercial cleaning cost me like five or eight grand. I would do it, but then I was literally cleaning and vacuuming right. offices. I mean, it's yeah, you were buying more jobs. More jobs. More jobs. You were more buying jobs. more jobs. So, yeah. I mean, well, it was great money because I used to go clean the offices two hours a night. I was getting like two grand in a month, and I was a great, but my I wasn't business minded yet because I should have just hired people to do it instead of myself. Yeah. Long story short, I graduated college. I go into life insurance sales, New York Life. Okay. I worked for New York Life. Got me a job. My, my dad is there. He's really? A, he's an MDRT guy. MDRT. C- council, uh, council. Chairman. Chairman's council. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I became a president's council. I became an MDRT. I actually, that job taught me everything that I know in business and life. Wow. My manager, God rest his soul right now, his name was Romani Abraham. He was an Egyptian guy. Best salesman in the world. He taught me how to sell. Like, this guy used to sell. I remember I I walked into his office for an interview. And he told me, all right, this is what you're going to do. All you got to do is sell 50, 60 policies, blah, blah, blah. And you'll make 100 grand your first year. I was like, all right, let's do it. How much my salary? He's like, you get a zero salary here. I think I, they gave me like 10 grand a year salary. But he was like, I promise you, all you got to do is just go knock on doors and do this and, or call, call or whatever. So I was like, you know what, man, let's do it. So I go home. My mom was like, you got the job? I was like, yeah, I got the job. Congratulations. I need some suits. She's like, how much are they going to pay you? I was like, the guy said, all I got to do is sell these policies. She's like, what's your salary? I was like, there is no salary. I think it was like actually 19 grand a year. 
But if you don't sell, it's a draw. Yeah. It's literally a draw, just like we do now. You yeah. know what I mean? But then she, my uncles were like, you're crazy. You went to finance degree. You go into Penn State. Go get yourself a real job. Don't sell life insurance. And then I was like, the hell with everybody. I'm going to prove them wrong. And my first year, actually, I became an MDRT agent. At the time, I think the requirement was $65,000 in commissions. Right. So you got to do 65 grand in commissions, but you get a lot of bonuses with it. So I made like, I think like 80 or 90 grand my first year out of college. And back then, that was good money, that was bro. A lot of money. 2003, 2004. Yeah, that, that's freaking, that's good money, bro. And I kept moving up, kept moving up. Still, today is good money. I don't it's care what exactly. anybody, today is yeah, good money. 85 grand is 85 But back grand. then, it was more money. It was more money. It, my first year, yeah. I made, I remember it was 85 grand. And I mean, I had some expenses for leads and stuff. But the training for life, I mean, if you can sell life insurance, you can sell anything in the world. I can. Yeah. Dude, I sold a shit. Sold. A shit to, you know what I was, Mo? So my dad is, he's still in the life insurance business. Wow. Okay. And he's now selling some shit that's crazy, bro. He's selling, um, like, he has a name, uh, premium financing. Oh, Yeah. I know what that means. Okay, so millions you know, you know exactly. So when he explained the concept to he me, he finances single premium poli whole life policies, basically. Right, basically. Yeah. pretty much. Oh, so and, and these are big, like big, big, ten million dollar coverage, dollars. right? Yeah, yeah, Twenty. Yeah, yeah. So he was telling me about it, and he said, "Yeah, so all I gotta do is do three or four of those a year, oh, and yeah. and I make over X amount." And I was like, "What?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Premium financing. Yeah. yeah. So anyhow, that's what he's doing right now. So uh, like, my life insurance. Policies with New York Life. I got oh, yeah. I got multiple ones actually. The Rolls Royce of life insurance. That's it. So I, I got no. I don't think about it. Like I've, yeah. I've had a lot of other friends that came like, oh, get on this thing. No, it's like, no, nah, that stuff is junk. New York Life, brother. That's it. Number that's one. the it number is. one. Yeah. So, um, dude, I hope I know the whole story of how insurance was born. The whole nine yards. Yeah. What happened to me was, and I never talked about this on the podcast. I'm glad you you uh, you you have a similar um, background. I used to work for my dad, and I started working for my dad when I was eight. Wow. By the time I was, wow. like, 19, I was running. I wasn't running the operations. I was doing all the operations. You was doing a lot of the day-to-day. -day. I was doing all the paperwork, sending policies to, to the clients. clients, the insurance company. I would keep track of the applications. You do everything. And he had a whole, he had hundreds of agents, dude. Like, he had a lot of people, right? Wow. At that time, he was with American bankers because... He will sell insurance in Latin America. And he... This is in Venezuela? No, this is here in the oh, U.S. Okay, okay, okay. He started in Venezuela, but then we moved to Miami, and then he started... He selling them. Yeah, so he, like, he had agents in Venezuela, Colombia, Brazil, everywhere, bro. And this guy was bringing in a million bucks, you know, back wow. then in in, yeah. in commissions. Commissions. Um, chairmans. Chairmans, yeah. I think at the time... They called them MGAs, uh, Managing General Agents, because they had agencies. Oh, so he, he was a uh, general, not a general. But not with New York Life. This is what oh, different. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, this okay. is before New York Life. Okay. What happened with that company. He's a GA. Well, he was an MGA. MGA. Which is a, a Managing General Agent. So He gets paid on everybody. Oh, yeah. Everything. Big money. And he had bigger, big spreads, man. Sometimes it was 10%, 15%, 30%. He had a new agent at 60%, and he was at 105 because the MGAs the made 110% yeah, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. year. That's crazy, dude. Oh, it's big money, man. Yeah. So, you know, I was there, and what happened was he wanted me to go to college. And I didn't want to go to college. And I was like, that. And I tried. I went to Miami Dade and stuff, but, dude, I like. 
I wasn't I wasn't into the books, man. And I left. I, like I never finished. I never yeah, I, yeah. nothing. But the, he was like pushing, pushing, and I was working for him. So I felt like I didn't have a father. I had a boss. Boss, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. this boss is telling me I need to go to college. Yeah. Um, and eventually I just dropped out. But long story short. I started selling insurance also because I was like, Dad, I want to sell. Like, I want to sell. See the commission. Like, shit, I want to get make the commissions, right? And, dude, I was so good. I was 18, 19. I became the closer for most of the older sales guys. Wow. Because the older sales guys, they will have the connections with the clients. Yeah. But they weren't as aggressive as I was. How I was man. getting the deal, yeah. And so I remember this this man. He's he passed away. Uh, Altamirano is his name. He will come and say, "When are you coming to Venezuela?" And I was because I lived in Miami. I was like, "I don't know, maybe next month or the following month." Please come. I have all these clients. They're ready for you. So wow. what he did, he like became the connector. Yeah. And now I didn't make all the commissions because I was just closing on these guys, right? Um. So I will go there. And I'll close the deals for him, and I'll make I don't know fifteen percent of the commissions or whatever, because you could put multiple agents on one oh, application. Oh yeah, you put right? five. Yeah, yeah. And so I got my spread, and and um, but eventually, because my dad pushed me so much to go to college, and I didn't want to go to college, and I was partying too and drinking and all that, I eventually left the business. And and but I think that if if he would if he would allow me to be a sales guy in his team as opposed to yeah. pushing me to go to college and I'll probably be in that business today. Absolutely, man. Um, Because you're really helping some people, bro. Oh, man, I delivered death claims. Oh, yeah, I, I, I do it. So check this out. I met a kid years later. Okay. Years. I'm talking about 20 years later that received one of the checks that you delivered. That my dad delivered. Oh, man. But I processed the application because I remember the whole case. He was a, he was a son of a, a wealthy guy that did a lot of business. And nice. he, he, like, he bought a million-dollar policy at the time and all that. And check this out. This guy passed away in an accident while the application was still in the company. I have it in there. And the company paid that. Paid, yes, yes, yes. And 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 this kid, he was a baby. Like uh, his mother had him, and I think a sister, uh, another girl. And the guy put on the on the policy that he was gonna give money to the uh, the the widow and the kids on installments. Mm-hmm. And then when they were eighteen years old, they'll receive the rest. Well, bro, they got more money when they were eighteen. And what the original face amount was with all annuity. the installments. It was, an annuity. it was like an annuity type annuity, deal, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, he, uh, I, I met the guy when he na- mentions the name. I'm, I won't say the name on the podcast, but when he mentions the name, I'm like, bro, that name sounds familiar. Yeah. And he's like, but he was from, because I was from, I'm from the West Coast in Venezuela. He was from the East Coast. So okay. no connection whatsoever. Like we didn't know the same people. Or, very familiar to you. Yeah, yeah. But the name sounded so familiar. I was like, what does your family do? And I was like, well, my father is dead. What's your father's name? And so what's your father's name? Same like mine. I said, dude, no freaking way. Did he die like this? Because I remember how he died. And he's like, 
how do you know? And I was like, bro, I process your father's applications for life insurance. Wow, what a small world. And I remember when my dad and the agent, because my it was one of my dad's agents, okay. the one that sold the insurance. I remember when they went to battle with the company and said, oh, you guys got to pay this. Okay. And, 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 and it's not that the company was trying not to pay it. No, no, they want to make sure. They, best they had to make oh, sure yeah, that yeah, yeah. everything was done correctly, right? And, you know, and he's like, man, thanks to that insurance policy, we were able to go to college. We were able to... to uh, Life insurance is very important. I mean, I know we're like... I was a very huge believer into it, but at, at the time I was single... I didn't have no responsibility. I mean, I had a mortgage. I had a yeah, house. Yeah, if, if you died, it was like, okay, Whatever. Like, nobody like, yeah. suffers, you know right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, um, I mean, I, I won't take too long on this story, but I remember when I first started, I used to believe in it, but just to, like, get paid. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, it's commission. And if you don't pound the pavement all the time, you don't get your leads, you don't call, you don't get paid. So I remember I used to do a lot of mortgage protection leads. So I went to a house... Um, husband and wife, it was a mortgage lead. They they bought a house for $250,000. They wanted to cover their mortgage. I'm sitting there on their kitchen table on a Friday night. I remember telling them that. It was a 6 o'clock at night. So I was ready to go out. So I just needed to finish this appointment and go. And I was meeting up with my buddies. So we get there. The wife wants, who is this guy? The insurance guy. Ah, oh, we're not buying no insurance. Insurance is a scam and blah, blah, blah. The whole, the whole time. So I'm sitting there like, I'm not going to sell these people. Right. So the husband, he was a, he, he had a construction business, four or five kids, I forget. But he was like, listen, man, I, I don't have, I have zero insurance. I'm self-employed. I don't have nothing at work, but I just want to get a policy for, pull out my laptop, cool, no problem. Usually I would go through my whole spiel, and we've been in business for 100 years, but I was like, all right, no problem. So when I heard of the wife, I was like, I know this is not going to happen. So I pull out my laptop. I'm like, term, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whole life. I show him whole life. There's no way he was buying that. So he ended up buying, I think it was a 20-year term. He had a 30-year mortgage, quarter million dollars. Young guy, too. He was like 34, 35. So it was like $30 a month, $40 a month. Very cheap. Very cheap. But the wife was like, ah, he's like $40 a month. He's like, we spend that in Pizza Hut, you know? So she was like, all right, let's do it, whatever. So I was like, listen. And he's like, let's think about it. And I was like, you can think about it insured and uninsured. Once I leave here with an application and a check, you're, You're covered, insured, bro. Yeah. So, long story short, I get an application, give me the check, but the wife was like, "Listen, I might call you on Monday. We might cancel this thing." Car, uh, man, she, they were Italian, so she had like a. She was very, very feisty lady. No problem. I get the application checks. Here's my business card. We'll get the nurse out here to do the blood test next week. Don't yeah. worry about it. Put the application in my bag, throw it in my car, and I go on a weekend. Come to work on Monday. First thing you do is when you, once you walk into your cubicle, you want to process the application. I sit there, phone, 12 messages. Like, what the hell? On my landline, on my office, that lady, the, the wife, calls me, left me six messages. I'm like, this lady's going to cancel. I was like, I knew it. Then I was like, let me listen. She's like, take, click, click. She's like, Mo. She's like, please call me ASAP. Please call me ASAP. Please call me ASAP. It's an emergency. I'm like, all right. I was like, they probably either check balanced or whatever. Call her up. She's like, listen, you told me with that application, that check, we're insured. And his name was Frank, the guy. Frank. She's like, Frank passed away. I was like, what? I'm like, this lady probably killed him. She was like, no, we were going to Atlantic City, Philly, 
Atlantic City is like an hour and a half, casinos. Get in a car accident, car flips. We all make it. And he was, in, I guess, in a separate car or whatever. He gets killed, dies. So I get the chills. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy. I was literally with him two nights ago. So I go to my manager. I'm like, you guys used to, I mean, I never processed a death claim. Yeah. First year in the business. And, not, and, and with an application in with your With an hand. application in my hand. So the first thing he asked me, he's like, listen, don't try to BS me. Is this one of your friends that you're trying to like? I was like, no, I don't even know this guy from Adam. I was like, here's the mortgage leads. I go there. He tells me he was, a matter of fact, I even gave him a smoker rating because he was a smoker. Actually, not a smoker. He used to chew tobacco. Gave him a smoker rating. Like, they didn't even lie about that or nothing. He's like, if everything is legit and everything is, is we'll pay. Quarter million dollars. So I'm sitting there like, there's no way. So I process the application. He's like, go process the application. Put it in. Boom. Put it. I told her, I was like, all we need is the death claim. Uh, the, 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 that's that's certificate. certificate. That certificate. That certificate. Everything works out. She literally got me a death certificate from her funeral home. Like, right away, they processed it. Whatever they did. So he gets buried like six, seven days, five days later. But she was like, I want you to come to the funeral. So I was like, I'm going to go. So my manager's like, yeah, go. You gonna? So I'm thinking of going just to like, for more business. Long story short, I go there, and then she was like, she's doing a speech, whatever. So in an Italian church, big, like maybe 100, 150 people in there. She's like, Mo, can you please come up? I go to, to the front, and she's like, because of this guy, my family will still have a house. and everything. She's like, I have a ton of family. She's like, nobody's going to pull out money out of their pocket. Because this guy was a great salesman. He, and she told the whole story how she didn't want to wow. buy and I delivered a, a quarter million dollar check a week later after that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I believe in life insurance. And how many, how many people did, uh, did you get oh, man. Did you get from, that, from that funeral, bro? I think I got like 30 or 40 clients, man. Like everybody was like, oh, we need your number, whatever. And then I was like, huh, I, I'm sitting there like, I don't, I don't want to be sitting down getting people's numbers. Yeah. And at the time, cell phones were like just not as smart as, smart as they yeah, are now. Yeah, like they are today. 2003, 2004. But um, she gave, she was like, don't worry, I'm going to get you everybody. And she gave me like 100 phone numbers. I think maybe more than 40, man. Because you used to ask for referrals. and Right. I think maybe I got like 80 or, oh, I lived on that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Wow, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So transition now from life insurance to real estate. How I got into real estate. I loved construction and fixing and Carlton. Why did why did you leave the the the, the I'm insurance? I'm gonna tell you now. So, my second third year in the business. Now, it was time to go into management because once you qualify for council two times, you can go into management. You get a set salary. You start hiring people, but now you're corporate owned by the company. Right. I didn't want that, and I, they offered me, man. It was like a two hundred, hundred fifty, hundred two hundred thousand dollars salary. But if you don't, you produce. That salary keeps going. And I was like, right. no. So I was always looking at real estate. And I didn't know how to get into real estate. And I kept digging and digging. So a friend of mine, he was a realtor, Bob Craig. Um, Bob Craig, uh, I used to go with him. And I tell him, I, show me houses. I had maybe like five grand in a bank account at the time. Right. This is 2005 to 2006. I didn't have like crazy money because I was young. I was making money. 
I was spending crazy yeah, money. Yeah, driving a badass car, oh, I had you know, cars, suits, rims and watches, watches you know, and yeah. everything. Yeah, you're looking rich. Look rich. Yeah. And in in, in, li in life insurance, you gotta have the baddest suits around. Like you yeah. gotta like, I had a BMW, I had a Mercedes. You're selling. You're selling. You got you selling. It's, it's, exactly. You're selling everything. Oh, Image. people used to see yeah. me like, damn, this guy is successful. But yeah. literally, I wasn't because was you were stupid. you were successful. Yeah. What what happened is. Um, you were overspending on that overspending. on that look, oh, right? Man, I made yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bob kept showing me houses listed, but at the at the time in 2005, 2006, listings were still hot. Like the MLS, yeah. like wholesaling was not even a thing yet. I think at the time it was. It's just it that was. It was underground. It just whatever. it just wasn't there. There's definitely yeah. not what it is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and whoever did it. Did it as another option. Option, exactly, yes. And that's right. how I did it. That's right. how I did it. So, long story short, Bob was like, listen, I know you're BSing me. You're just wasting my time. But you got a lot of potential, man, and you got to buy this house. He's like, I got a client in Temple University at the time, 1735 Monument, the house. His client died. Her daughter lives in New York. She wants $75,000 for the house. Three-story house in the middle of North Philly in Temple University. So he's like, you got to buy it. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it. But deep down inside, I don't got no $75,000. Yeah. But my brother was a mortgage broker. He's like, man, we'll get you a mortgage. Don't worry. Back then, my daughter could have got a, could have got you a, breathe, my yes. two-year-old daughter could have got do a. Do you have a pulse? Yes. Okay. You exactly. qualify. So the house needed work. So he gets me a $75,000 mortgage with like 2% interest. I remember it was World Savings wow. Bank. That adjustable crazy mortgage. My mortgage payment was $600 a month. Great. Now I need money to fix the house. So my primary residence, I owned a house where I was living at the time. He got me a $30,000 line of credit on my house. Within a week. That's how easy it was back then. Wow. I get a more, I get 30 grand. I start looking for contractors to fix the house, to rent it. I wasn't even flipping or wholesaling or nothing. Long story short, I get a $30,000, I rehab it, cost me twenty-five grand. i am into the house for like hundred grand. I rent it out to students for $500 a bedroom, six bedrooms, right. wow. $3,000. That's a freaking king of cash flow. King of cash flow, $600 to $24,000, um, I'm sorry, $3,000. I was, I was netting right around like $2,200 a month. So I'm like, damn, all I need to do is get 10 more of these things. You're 20 grand. I'm, I'm on 20 grand a month, and I retire. I was like, forget this life insurance stuff. Yeah. So then the, 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 the problem was when you got six college kids living in this house, I remember one time I went to, and I was collecting $500 a month from each kid. So I was chasing these little kids around where you at. I want my money, blah, blah, blah. You're not paying. And he used to, oh, man, it was a, it was a, it was a nightmare. Yeah. It was a nightmare. Long story short, I... I was like, man, forget this thing. And there were, I remember one time I went to get, get the check. There was like 150 kids in his house. Three keg, three keg party. I was oh. like, they're going to destroy his house. So I was like, I got, I got to sell his house. So I remember my next door neighbor was a New York investor. He owned like 10 or 15 houses. And he's like, what's wrong, Mo? I was like, man, I hate this thing. I was like, I can't do it, whatever. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like who cares if they mess it up? Because when they leave, you can just, but in my mind, I spent 25, 30 grand. But he had his own crews, whatever. Yeah. He's like, man, if you want, I'll, I'll buy the house off you. Because I'll give you 125. I'll take it off your hands, dude. I was like, like, I'm, I'm a he's, like he's like, I'll take it off your hands. He's like, I'll take it off your hands. So I'm like, all right, I'll let you know. And um, 
he was like, um, I'll let you, I, was, I, I, so I went home. I told my mom at the time. My mom was living with me. And she was like, sell it. I was like, I'm going to sell it. She was like, don't sell it. She's like, I was like, what do you mean? She's like, this guy's, I mean, this guy, his name was David. David was an Israeli investor from New York. This guy was a shrewd businessman. Yeah. yeah. This guy. He, he knew exactly guy. what he was doing. He, he knew what he was doing. And he was calling me every day. Come on, let's do the deal. Let's do the deal. Let's do the deal. 125 went to 135 to 140. I've never seen 40 grand in my life. Right. My mom was like, don't sell it to this guy. Go to your friend Bob and list it with him and get top dollar. So I called Bob. Bob was like, I think we can sell it for like 150, 160. Bob was an old, old school, white, relative, amazing guy. But he's like not a hustler. So this guy, David, kept calling me, man. He was calling me, calling me, calling me. And at the end, he was annoying me. His follow-up game was on man, point. He was on, <laughs> bro, he went from 125 to like 150. He was like, listen, I'll give you 150, 160, 155. Take it or leave it. I'm like, man, I got to take it. My mom was like, no, I think you can get more for this house. Bob goes, and he's like, I can list it for whatever you want. Man, I'm like, let's try to get whatever we can. List it for $199. He listed for $199, second or third day on the market. I get an f- offer for $195, cash, done deal. So the lady was like, she, she wants to see the house now, but these kids yeah, they- screwed this house up, man. Like, I'm talking about, like, it stinks. It smells like weed, beer bottles everywhere. Right. But it was right around, like, March, April, so the semester was about to be done. She was like, listen, I don't care what it looks like. I have five or six of these things, but I want you to get me a contract for next semester, but it's got to be girls, uh, like a, a rental agreement for six girls. I was like, no problem. So I started showing the house, and Temple, like, this is 2006, 2007, coming very hot. I get her six girls, we go, she signs, I go to closing, and I remember after I paid my mortgage, after I paid my line of credit, I pop, and I paid my realtor, I think I pop, my net was $80,000. And I was, man, how old was I at the time, man? Like 24, 25 years old. I've never seen $80,000, one shot. That's one, that's, that's one year, year's worth of work? Exactly, exactly. So then I was like, Man, I remember it like when I went to deposit the check, it hit me like, damn, people really make money in real estate like this. And I was like, I should have done this in the beginning and not do the whole year of rent. So I was like, I got I gotta really figure this thing out. So then I went, I bought another house. But then I was like, I want I want to fix it. But then while I was like when I bought it, I bought it from a wholesaler at the time on Craigslist. Because Craigslist was the only way of finding houses. NMLS. Bought another one. I sold it. I made 10 grand. So I, now I got 80 grand in my pocket. So I can, I'm a cash buyer. I bought it. Then I bought a third one right in the same area of Temple. Because Temple was like really, really hot. I bought another one. I was cleaning it out while we were cleaning it out. And I was going to rent it out, actually. I was going to rehab it, rent it, and then do the same model. But I remember while we were cleaning it out on a Sunday, there was like a group of three, four kids. Like, you're, you're in North Philly. You're in the middle of the hood. They started shooting at each other. I remember they were literally from here to 30 feet, and I seen two kids get killed right in front of me, man. Wow. Right in front of me. And I was like, hell with this house. I'm not, I was like, I'm not rehabbing nothing. So then all oh, the news and the media, and then the next day, everything calmed down. We were like, let's go back and finish this house. The guy's brother went and killed the other guy 
on the same block. I was like, there's no way I'm keeping this house now. So I sold the house and I made like five or six grand on it. But then I was like, man, forget rehabbing. I need to figure out how to do this. Over and over and over and over again. Exactly. So then I met. So now I just sold four or five houses. So in Temple, I kind of like had a little bit of a name between investors. Because I was showing houses. I knew who was buying what, who's doing what. I met a ton of guys through there, man. And then now I have buyers and they're like, Mo, find his houses. So then I was buying them from like the neighborhood people. Before cold calling started, before anything, and I was just sending letters, door, door knocking. knocking. Yeah. So then I went, I was like, all right, I'm going to take. So I took the whole Temple University um, radius and, and I just it. mapped it out. And I just went. And I, I was like, every single vacant house, every single piece of land, we're going to market to. But then it was me, and I, I, I had so much work to do. And I was still doing life insurance, don't forget. So I'm still doing life insurance, but now my life insurance sales went down. But I'm, this is my dream. Yeah, this thing is coming up. This is coming up. And then, and then I kept doing it, but now I'm not even like, but I was like, man, I got to find a way. I was using um, yellow pages and white pages right. and whatever. And I remember I was selling a house. We were literally door knocking and sending letters. And if they're not home, we, we leave a note. And I was door knocking like at 8, 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. I didn't care. I was hungry, man. Like, so then I brought in my friend. Um, we went to high school together. And I was like, man, I need somebody to help me out. Come as a partner. And I brought him in as a partner. And we just started going to town, man. And then we got a little office. Then we got like two, three people working with us. But we were still literally door knocking. And then I was selling a house to one of these investors from New York. And they were like, yeah. I was like, so how do you guys get deals? And he was like, we cold call. I was like, how do you find the numbers? He's like, man, if I tell you, you'll make a million dollars out of this. And I was like, please. He's like, but you got to give me $500 and I'll tell you how to do it. But he's like, I guarantee you, you'll make money. Man, I went in my pocket, gave him $500. This guy would not give me. And it was LexisNexis. I was like, what the hell is LexisNexis? Skip tracing. Skip tracing. I didn't know what skip tracing was. Because again, like there was nothing coming up from it. Long story short, we get Lexus Nexus, and then it was the gold mine. It was literally wow. like finding gold. Then we just start skip tracing. Hello, this, that. And at the time, nobody was cold calling. So I think like I was probably. You were hand calling. We were, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah on our um, iPhones. On our um, landline. Oh, there was no dialer, there's no yeah. mojo, call tools, all that crap. And we just started cold calling, and, man, we were getting deals hand over fist, hand over fist. It was like, man, it was like a gold mine. Like, we were having months. You were the only one. We were probably, like, there was, like, a, some guys that I know, my Philly guys, but nobody was talking to nobody. Like, nobody, like, like I was doing it. There was no collaboration. Uh, no. It, it was, a, it was a, like, I got to hide the secret. I got to hide the secret. Like, yeah. And then people were like, yo, how are you finding these deals? And then we figured the dead people, we go after their family. Oh, man. It was, we were doing like, so then the first month that we made, me, me and my partner, AJ at the time, we made 85 or 90 grand one month, like four or five deals. I went to my manager and I was like, bro, I'm out. I'm, I can't do this no more. And my manager till this day, like he's dead now, but like we, we stayed in, but he was very, but he saw me and he saw how I was coming and so successful. In real estate. But he's like, man, I really want you to be with me. And I was like, man, I really do, but I can't. 
Look and at I, this. And I showed him my, I, that's what I did. I literally showed him my bank account. I was like, man, I've been with you guys here. I'm making, at the time, when I left, after five years, I was making like 130, 140. I was working my ass off. Like, yeah, yeah, 13,000 bucks a month. And Exactly. Yeah. But I, at every night at 6, 7 o'clock, I was at somebody's kitchen table selling life insurance. You know what I mean? Till 9 o'clock at night, whatever. And I was like, man, I can't really do this. But here, look what I, I had like 150, 200 grand in my bank account at the time. I was a young kid. He's like, you know what, man? I think you're, this is your calling. You're on to something, yeah. He's like, you got to go. He told me straight up. He's like, listen, I would... I'm going to lose a lot of money because he told me straight up. He said, I made a lot of money on you with commissions. So then that's when I took it. In 2008, I went full-time. And then it got me, like, we got an office, and then we just went to town. So 2008, when the crash came, 2008, 2009, 2010 was my biggest years, man. We were, because everybody was like, Loosen. we're not flipping no more. Now we want to do landlording and hold. So we were just going to town. What was your biggest assignment back then? $120,000. Back then? Actually, so we were doing, so then I, Facebook came around, it was getting hot, and I was learning assignment. Like, I remember, we, I used to go to this title company, and the guy was like, man, why do you keep closing on these things? Because you got to remember, Philly's not like Houston. Houston, there's no transfer tax. In Philly, there's a transfer tax. So you keep, like, it costs money to buy a house. Right. 4%. It's a 4% transfer tax on the assessed value of the house. So we were doing, and he's like, man, do assignments. I was like, what the hell is an assignment? He's like, here's a contract. Just make sure you put this word in your contract, anywhere assignees, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool. We were title like, company show oh, you how to assign a deal. A title company. It, it was an investor. It was friendly. an investor friendly. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually only worked with them. And the owner, it was a lawyer. He told me, like, man, you got to, like, save your money. But then I was like, man, these guys are going to know how much I'm making. He's like, so? Who cares? And we were getting assignments. So some deals we took down, because I was buying pieces of land in Temple. Yeah, yeah, you have 10 money. Grand. You have money now. I had 10 yeah. grand, 20 grand. I was selling them for 80, 90. We were, we were raking in money, man. Wow. But then when this started happening, a lot of people knew Temple was a hot area. My Philly guys would know Temple was the hottest they area. They started coming into town. Oh, man. They were, they were building on every block, 20, 30 new constructions. Till Temple, like, dried up. Dried up. There was nothing to do. And that's where my real estate career really started. Wow. So, that's crazy, dude. So, so okay, how long did that run last? So, that run lasted to, like, from 2006 to 2010. And then, so I had, we had tons of money, me and him, my partner, but I was smart about it. I was like, listen, man, I had money when I was doing life insurance and I wasted it. I'm not going to do like, the same. I'm not doing that no more. I was like, we're going to start buying houses, fix them, and rent them out Section 8. Right. And I was like, every, every $40,000, $50,000 we get, we're going to buy houses. Put a house. Put a house. Put it in houses. I was like, even if we don't fix it, just put it in houses. And we, we started buying houses. We started buying houses in southwest Philly. 20, 30 grand, 40 grand, put 20, 30 grand into it. Section 8, 1,000 a month. By the time we knew it, we were up to like 16 houses. Me and him, free clear. Yeah. All these houses, we were buying them free and clear, cash, over the three, four-year period. Me and my partner then, we got comfortable. I mean, we were making seven, eight grand. And we're still, but like, Temple dried up. We didn't shift our business. We did to like South Philly, different areas. 
but it was was not as easy as Temple. No, it was Temple was like a walk in the park, right? Because it was so hot, and we we were one of the first ones there. So then we were doing more of the. So I started doing more rehabbing, and then I met my partner, who is now I have a construction company till this day in Philadelphia, yep. and then me and him, he was my contractor, and then when it dried up. And I remember 2010 till like 2013, it dried up, dried up. Like it was hard to get. Like I, I was used to making fifty, sixty thousand dollars spreads. Now we're doing five, six thousand dollars. I'm like the hell with this, man. Like it's not not worth it. It's not worth it because you have employees and this and that. So then I started doing more rehabs. So with my, so my partner AJ. He was like, man, he, he he got lazy, and we had a lot of money. And he was like, man, I, I'm done. But me, I kept going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, no problem. So we had 16 houses. We split them up. He took his. I took mine. and But I kept going. I was rehabbing, 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 rehabbing. And then a lot of guys were coming to me that I was I – was, so I would, I would sell them the investors. I was wholesaling the house. And then they were like, can you fix it for me since you have – I was like, yeah, I'll fix it. So I started rehabbing the houses the construction, and selling it to them. And then a lot of guys were like, oh, we, we want this Section 8 model that you're doing. I was like, very easy. And I was getting them tenants. So I was doing like kind of turnkey without yeah. knowing what you turnkey You were turnkeying it. Yeah. yeah, I was turnkeyed the house. You are making three, money yep. in three, yep. three yep. or four different and I And my realtor at the time, she was my, um, my property manager. We were doing that. And then now I have a big booming construction business. Now, till this day... But we have going, and and that's when it kept going. And then I was rehabbing and wholesaling and rehabbing, so I was doing it all. But I think I had my my net too wide open that I I wasn't focused on right just wholesaling. You were diluted on on a exactly. few. And a construction business is, is great, but the profits are not as big as wholesaling is. No, and I don't like it. I, 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 I too much work. I, I did the same. I, I, I had my, but I lost my construction business in 2017 after Harvey. Yeah. They all ditched me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. completely out, but I was doing something similar, although I wasn't going to the extent to section eight. Uh, I will wholesale the property and I will rehab them. Yeah. Uh, or I do, I'll do part of the rehab because I would teach my guys that were at the time were rehabbing and buying properties from me or with me. That they needed to split up yeah, the, yeah. the 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 project. Like, hey, don't give this to somebody to just one person. Yeah, because otherwise they'll control you until death. And, yes, and, and so sub it out, sub it out. Yeah, so I was like, look, I'll show you how to do this right. Yeah. Sub it out and get five different subs, and yep. you know, and I I can do this for you. Like I can do the yeah. demo for you. I got I had my dumpster. I had all these things and. How to dually driving the dumpster and I all got that two stuff. Dump trucks, everything. Right. So, yeah, so, yeah, but yeah. then in 2017, I found myself with all the tools and no people. Yeah. Um, and that's literally what kind of like took me down. But um, when I discovered wholesaling, much easier. I remember, Mo. I mean, I had an office in Rosenberg, of a 90 and and 36. Yeah. Right. There's a big building in there in the corner. I used to be in that building. And, man, I'm desperate for money, bro. Like, I'm going broke. Like, yeah. there's no tomorrow. And me and I Dennis, it, we're, we're scratching our heads. Like, how do we do this? And, and I'm telling Dennis, like, dude, we got to go wholesaling. Yeah. Because marketing is our only risk, which we already do. 
but we don't have to go raise millions of dollars like we have. So you doing the direct mail or I was doing mailers. Mailers, yeah. yeah. Um and uh but we just gotta figure out how to wholesale them yeah. as opposed to buy them. Because we were mailing for us. Yeah. There was no hey Mo, here's a no 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 no. It's like I'm the buyer, that's I'm it. Buyer, yeah. And I will look, I will brag. Like I would come to these sellers and I was like, I'm the biggest buyer in town. And I was, Yeah, I wasn't lying because yeah, I was yeah, buying yeah, everything, yeah. you know? Uh, and they're probably, there's probably bigger people than me, of but, course, yeah, yeah. but that I knew that was me. Like nobody was buying houses like me and Dennis were at the time and Jose and some of the other guys that were uh, uh, in that entourage. But I'm like, dude, we're freaking losing our asses here. We got to figure something out. And we started building a cash buyers list and this and that. And I remember the first time, I had 10 houses under contract assigned. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. How come I didn't do this shit before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was I going through the, through the troubles of raising all this money, employing 60 to 70 people on our cruise? Oh, it's a headache, man. All the mailers, uh, you know, I mean... And it's because, in reality, I think what happened was uh, I felt like I was doing a good to the community because all these jobs I was creating, and I felt good about it, that I was employing all these people. But bottom line. But the bottom line, that was a liability on my neck that I didn't recognize. Yes, sir. And when Harvey happened, all these guys walk away. Now I have $15 million worth of loans and shit because I was heavily, heavily leveraged. Yeah. Uh, that my business model was always OPM, you know, yeah, yeah. and even though I had money, so dude, that money didn't last because wow. you know you can have three, four million dollars in the checking account, but when your mortgage payments are two fifty a month, guess what? In wow. ten months, you got no money, dude. Yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. right? So, and I just started doing it big in two thousand fifteen. For many years, I was the guy going to corporate. I had a job, yeah. houses here and there. I was happy with 260 a year, you know, and, yeah. and, and I thought I was killing it. And I was doing it on the side. Yeah. But when I went and did it full time and we started scaling our flipping business, that was the thing. Like, I didn't know how to wholesale. So what I knew how, was how to flip, how to rehab a house. And I said, okay, I got to scale that. I just got to gotta do 10 houses and I can pay for my lifestyle. No problems. 10 houses at the same time. At the right? same time, yeah. And... And that's how I got to that. And then we went to 47 houses, which was insane. But I got caught up on that growth. Like, it's like not too much growth is not good. No, it's not. And uh-huh. it was until we had the storm. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because nobody knows. I didn't freaking know that that RV thing was coming, comes, right? It can wipe you out. Uh, it, it did, COVID man. COVID could come and wipe you out. You never know. <laughs> exactly. So, you know. Um, Long story short, man, when I saw my first 10 deals on the board, yeah, wholesale, that was, look, and I was rich before, but that was really the first time I felt rich. And let me tell you why. Because I looked at the assignments and I said, I don't have any liabilities on those. No. I didn't have to go get a loan. I didn't have to employ 70 people. On or sixty or we, I think we had, a, it was a lot of people in, in in all the different crews. This is straight up cash that's coming to us. Yep. I need to figure this out. That's what happened bigger. to me, man. That's what happened to me with you. And 
from construction to wholesaling or to light bulb. And and you know and and what happened was we were struggling financially, right? So even though, dude, I made a million dollars in 2019, I was broke. But you paid out probably 1.2 million. I was yeah, bleeding yeah. to death, right? So you know, in uh, December, I think it was no December 2018. Mm-hmm. Dennis comes to me and says, "Hey, dude, lease is up, bro." What are we doing with the building? And at this time, I'm I'm liability adverse now. Yeah. I'm like, I got PTSD, bro. I don't want to know anything about a payment. I don't want to know yeah. anything about a loan. Get I, rid of it. I don't want credit cards, nothing. And I was like, we got to give up the building. And he's like, Ricardo, but man, we get two deals a month from the building because we had it wrapped up with we buy houses cash and people will literally come knock on yeah. the door, sell us their houses. I said, Dennis, I want no payments whatsoever. That's I got a big house. I can work out of my house. We can put our podcast studio in our house. Yeah. I don't care, bro. But I want I want this five grand off my hands because we were paying like I think it was like four thousand dollars a month on rent or three thousand. But expenses and all that it yeah, added up, rent. right? And that's when I hung up the 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 building. I gave it back to Edmund, uh, our landlord. He, great guy, by the way. Uh, uh, and I'll tell you offline about him. But, you know, I gave him the bill and said, Edmund, I'm sorry, man. And he's like, oh, so, sad to see you guys go. He kind of like took us under his wing. Oh, wow, nice. And, and he was a commercial investor, and he was teaching us a lot about commercial. Yeah. Hey, he guy's 80-something years old, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, and um, anyhow, from from um, from the Lebanon. Oh, nice. And um, anyhow, we give up the building. We move everything out. And then I, we just continue wholesaling. And now we're re- receiving cash. Cash. We're paying off our debts. We're offloading properties. We're finishing rehabs. Um, Best feeling. Yeah. But then I was like, how can I do 10 to 20 of these a month? And I just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. And it was, we had to get out of town because the problem was we, we were hitting walls. You know, yeah. like we can't get enough properties in Houston so we started going to other places. But uh, somewhere along the road, Dennis got tired. He's like, dude, I'm tired of this shit. Like, I don't even enjoy yeah. it anymore. That's how me and my partner were. Same thing. Yeah, he just got tired. And, and yeah, it's fine. And yeah. he's doing awesome now. He's building koi ponds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's actually coming to the office uh, next week. And so he kind of like, he came to me and said, Ricardo, man, we're making a lot of money, but it's not enough for both of us. Yeah. Because we got so much debt that doesn't cover it's not covering, and we were falling behind on our shit, like on our own personal stuff. Yeah, yeah. credit cards, you, yeah. mortgage, cars, all that. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I gotta figure a way out to pay my bills, otherwise my wife is gonna run me off. And I was like, Bro, let's. Just, I'm I'm one of those guys that I'm not I'm not a I don't give up. Like never quit. I never quit. But in his mind, he had to move. He had to make a lateral move. He had to move something, yeah. And I don't disagree with him. Yeah, I actually yeah. was the one that encouraged him to go do the koi ponds. Yeah. But that's a whole podcast, different podcast for a different story. Actually, I should bring him on the podcast and talk about it. Yeah. But he said, hey, man, I got to go figure out something on my own. You're good at wholesaling. You like it. I don't. And that was the truth. He enjoyed it, but he didn't like it. Like, yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. like I bleed wholesale. And I know, like, that wasn't, he's an engineer. Freaking passionate. No, there's no passion. He's a PE, man. He can sign drawings. And I would tell him, he's like, dude, you're a PE, bro. You should be selling drawings. I don't know. And he's like, 
yeah, I, don't, I just don't know what to do. I was like, koi ponds, because he built a badass koi pond in his backyard. Oh, nice. And I looked at that, and I was like, dude, when did you do this? And he's like, that's my therapy. Wow. That's what I do, because we, we were so stressed out. And when he told me that, I was like, bro, that's your passion? And he's like, yeah. Then he's like, that's what you got to do. Wow. I'm his partner. I don't want to lose him. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, bro, if that's your passion. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. He's like, really? I don't think there's money in it. I was like, bro, I'm telling you right now. If, Figure a way out. If you, if you like it, there's other people that like it. Of course. And that's how he started on his journey. Wow. But me, I, I kept, like, you know, going, going after it. Yeah. And I remember I had two VAs that are still today with me. Now they run on my VA company. I had two VAs, and then um, it was just me. So I was doing yeah. acquisitions. And these positions. Oh. And one day, a guy approaches me and he's like, man, you really got 20-some properties under contract? And I was like, yeah. Bro, you lying. I was like, no, I'm not lying. I'm, I got all these properties under contract. They're all over, you know, the Houston, outside of Houston area. He said, let me see it. I want to I wanna see that that's true. <laughs> I said, all right, bro. another investor? This is a guy that used to work for a wholesaler. Okay. Right, and I said, "All right, bro, come to the office or whatever." And I had a white I, that whiteboard still outside. It's outside the office right now. I had a whiteboard in there, and when he showed up, and I said, "Bro, I'm sorry, it's not 26, it's 30, 36." Wow. He said, "You're lying, dude." And I was like, "No, I'm not. Look at all the contracts." So I'm showing him all the contracts. He's like, "Where's your team?" So you're looking at him, and he's like, "No way, bro." And I was like. Yeah, I got a I got a problem because I can't sell all these properties by myself. Yeah, while I'm still contracting deals, and he's like, "I'll sh I'll help you. I'll help you yeah. sell these deals." And and I was like, "Bro, but you have another job." And he's like, "No, I'm leaving that guy because he's not legit." Like he started telling me all kinds, of, and I was like, "Whatever." So he came over and he started helping me selling all that stuff, and that's when I started building. But I was operating off the of the VTO nice. already. And long story short, dude. Um, he ended up working with me until the pandemic happened. And then, you know, he sort of, we had deals, but we couldn't sell them fast yeah, yeah, enough. Yeah. And so he ended up taking a job offer in Vegas that, 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 uh, that was paying very well. I told him, I said, go, go there go and do, do it. that. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. So, but anyhow, man, how the, so, okay. So you moved to Houston somewhere along the line, 2000, right? So 2015, I moved to Houston. I got married in 2013. Met my wife actually when I was visiting Houston. My sister lives here. Lived in Philly the first couple of years. But every time we used to visit Houston, I fell in love with Texas. I knew this was a, the best place to raise a family. It is a good place to raise a family. Best place. Yeah. Like, I love Philly. I'm a Philly guy till now. I loved my people, my family, and everything. But whether the best place to raise a family, no. A lot of crime, a lot of stuff. And I was like, and every time I come here, Texas is amazing. And it's, and it's so clean relaxed. and relaxed. People yeah. are like nice. Like, I'm a Philly guy. Yeah. We're not the nicest people in the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I remember we, I was in HEB when I was visiting, and they were like asking me if I needed help, whatever. And I thought that was very weird because you who, never do that. Who the hell asks people who for asks help? Who people right? for help? You know what I mean? So, or who offers people help, right? So then it was in my mind to move here, and then. I remember one time it was a snowstorm in Philly, and I w we were stuck home for like three, four days, like 24 inches. And I told my wife, I was like, you know what, man? We're going we're gonna to go. I was like, we got, well, my daughter was like, at the time, 
a year and a half, two years old. I was like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it now. I was like, it doesn't work. We'll come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I was like, I know myself. Once I get put my head in something, I'm going to do and it. And at that time, were you wholesaling already? Like I was wholesaling in Philly, but I was more focused on rehabs and my construction business was like taking most of my time. Right. And my construction business was making money, but not like what we're, I'm doing right now in wholesaling. So I knew if I come to Houston, my number one thing is going to be strictly wholesaling. So then in 2000, December of 2015, that year before, we, uh, we sold everything. I sold all my properties that I had in Philly. And I sold my house. We got a moving company. We moved here December 3rd of 2015. Wow. And once I moved to Houston... It took me a couple months to get associated and everything, and I met a lot of great guys before moving here and moving here. And one of the guys that I would definitely give a lot of credit to is Marlon Wilson. Yeah, I you know, know Marlon. You know what? You know so of check Marlin, it out. Yeah. I know of him. Yeah, yeah. We had the same lenders. Yeah. But I never met the guy. Amazing, man. Amazing. Marlon is... If I'm not mistaken, he was also in the insurance business. Yes, he was in life insurance. Yes. yes he was. So me and him clicked... And I was—I actually met Marlon when Periscope was around. Remember per Periscope yep, yep. before Facebook Live and all that right. stuff? And he used to do the videos. So I, I knew he was a Houston guy. He was doing exactly what I wanted to do in Houston. So I used to reach out to him. And then we went to a Sean Terry event in 2014 together. And we actually, we actually roomed in the same room together. Wow. So then when I moved here... I told him, I was like, man, I want to do this and I want to learn. But he was busy. So I, and I knew I didn't want to bother him. But I was like, man, I was like, like, show me how to do it in Houston. And, and Marlon, like, he was busy, man. But then I was like, listen, Marlon, I got money. I'll put up money. Sell me one of your deals. You'd, you need me to run around, do anything. But I just want to learn from you, bro. And he was looking at me. He's like, this guy's nuts. Like, what, what, is, what is he trying to do? So I ended up. But, like, he didn't know. Like, he was like, I don't know what the hell he, Mo really wants. So I told him, I was like, man, if you have any deals, I'll put up the money. You know the rehab and the crews. And he had he had contractors and everything. And I'll split it with you 50-50. I don't care. And he was like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. And then that's how it started. I did my first deal in um, 77016 around uh, Trinity Gardens. Yeah. Made the first deal. By the time we split everything, we made like 10 or 12, 15 grand a piece. I was like, no, I didn't care about the money. Yeah. I just wanted the experience. Right. But at the same time, I wanted Marlon to make Money. I didn't want him to think like I'm just getting free info. Right, right, right. And I'm right. just trying to like, you know what I mean? Like I didn't want to just take him out for right. coffee like a lot of guys do. Pick like, your brain. Let me pick, pick your, your brain. No, I actually invested money. I bought money and I, I made sure he was making money. And we were, right. And he kept telling me, he's like, you want to do more? I was like, man, as much as you want. You know what I mean? Because I came in here with some cash once I sold my houses. Right. So then I learned Houston neighborhoods, what neighborhoods to be in. Because I, when I first came, I thought I was going to be wholesaling, hoteling and Katie and Sype does not unicorns. Unicorns, exactly. So I actually did a deal in Katie that I. Bought. I've done deals in Katie, but you know it's I did a rehab in Katie that I actually bought off Pablo Luna. Pablo, yeah, I know Pablo. And Shout out to Pablo. Pablo, Pablo's my man. Actually, out in Tampa, Florida. Actually, Pablo still sells a lot of our deals till this day. We actually did two this week, but Pablo sold for wow. us. So Pablo does amazing work for us, man. So long story short, I, I did a rehab in Katie. I made three thousand dollars. After like three, four months of work, and wow. I, I mean, I bought it too high, I fixed it too much, and I, but then I was like, 
So I went into like seven seven zero one six two eight two nine neighborhood Galena Park, all that Galena stuff. Park, all these areas, man. And I just learned from Marlon. I give all of my credit to Marlon. He right. taught me everything about local stuff. Local stuff. And then I started doing direct mail because everybody in Houston was doing direct mail. Yeah. I was like, forget cold calling. I don't work here in Houston. I didn't know why I thought that. I started doing direct mail, but direct mail is expensive. It's very expensive. Five, eight, ten grand a month. A contract. Contracts, and then you spend ten grand with these companies or whatever, and you get twenty calls. Yeah, the, some the, of them curse you out, and then. But I mean, I was getting deals. You get deals, but it's the cost per acquisition is too oh, high. Oh man, through the roof. And then I was like, man, forget this. I'm gonna go back to what I know. I know best, and I, what I built. So I hired. I, I was cold calling myself. First day, I remember I called, called, got an appointment. I went and bought a house in um, Scenic Woods, 77016. I remember I got this house for 15 grand. It was going to tax auction. I was only, by the way, cold calling the tax auction list at the time. Nobody was calling. Number one in Houston, I don't think anybody was. There was people cold calling, but not like now. Right. Sure. Called the tax auction list. I got a house for 15 grand. And I'm a cash buyer. So I closed on it. I put on the MLS. I sold it for 65 grand. And I was like, boom. This is my business model right here. Wholetailing. Before the, even the word, I think Sean Terry at the time started saying wholetailing. And I don't know who came up with it. I think Sean Terry uh, did. I, th- I really, I remember we were at his little event. And he was like wholetail. Actually, not, not Sean Terry. What's his name? Alex Youngblood. Okay. He was a guest speaker at Sean Terry. And he was like wholetailing. And me and Marlon are sitting there at the event. We we're like, yo, this is what we do. We do wholetailing, but we didn't even know that was the word for it. But... Once I got direct to an owner, straight without direct mail, because I hate direct mail, cold calling, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I just got to finesse it, and I got to, like, get it to a T. Then I started hiring virtual assistants. At the time, I had two virtual assistants in the Philippines. They were cold calling. I was closing. No mojo, no call. This is pre, on on the cell phone. Pre-text side. Pre-text, pre-everything, man. And we were just... And I was just getting deals, 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 little deals here. 20 grand, make, sell it, 20 grand, 15 grand, 30 grand. And I didn't have no buyers list. And actually, to this day, I don't even have a buyers list. Like, I have three to four really good cash buyers. Yeah. And either my wife is my realtor, we list them on the MLS, which is the best way. Yeah. You get the most out of it. Oh, you get the most out of it. And that's how really my... So, I mean, if you ask me what I do in my business, I would say I'm 95% wholetailing. Got it. Because I just felt uncomfortable and I loved... So, let's talk about revenue, right? Okay. Wholetailing, what was your biggest year, revenue-wise? My biggest year was actually in Houston. Yeah, Houston. Oh, um, 2021. We did Last year. right, right. We did a little over eight eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Eight hundred fifty grand. That's eighty grand a month consistently. Yeah, yeah we did eight hundred fifty grand. Um, I think it was about thirty five, thirty seven deals we did. What do you think your uh your profit like? Um, how much of that are you keeping? Like, okay, so that's that's the the thing that I love to control. And I'm actually in a couple masterminds with a lot of people, so I compare my numbers to a lot of guys. So last year, my total expenses were right around like two hundred and twenty to two. Yeah, so you're at thirty percent expense. Expense, yes. Yeah, so I'm at seventy percent profit. Wow, dude! So I run a very, very lean. Right. So, so here's the thing: I don't have an office. Right. Everybody's virtual. 
so I'll tell you exactly my team. My team is, we're 100% cold calling, by the way. Right. 100% cold calling. We have nine cold call agents in the Philippines. I have a manager in the Philippines that manages them. Uh, uh, yeah. Like a, she clocks yep. in, clocks yep. out, yep. break, yep. do this. Yep. And she does nothing but KPIs and reports and payroll right. and everything. And she tells me, she literally runs that business for me over there. Right. Hires, fires, everything. And then we have right now three follow-up people in the Philippines as well, separate right. department. All they do is just follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. Mm-hmm. I have a transaction coordinator in Houston locally here. Okay. Because we do a ton of airships. Right. And we dissect and we find Yeah, the cussing of the cussing, yeah. Oh, we find the Grand Reaper and we find them. Like, and I love deals like that. Right. My biggest deal. That's are, where the, the money's at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like me and actually Chris Silva's are doing a deal right now. That we we got in the heights and it was 18 airs or 19 airs or something like that. So we we I love airships. I closed on one last year that was 27 airs. Wow, yeah, we did. I think this was our biggest one, 19 airs. Wow. And we were finding people in New Mexico and in Connecticut, Alaska, Alaska. Yeah. One was in Italy. We 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 so we dig deep down and we've tried to find them. So so transaction coordinator, she's my number one asset to this business. Like I. Don't do anything with title work. She does everything and all that stuff. And then I have um, my main acquisitions guy. Actually, I I don't even call him my acquisitions guy. He's my COO. Second in command. Second in command. Ben runs my whole business for me. He does everything. His wife is my lead manager. So my lead manager, um, Amy, what she does is she's... And they're in Philly, right? They're actually in Philly, yeah. Yeah. So they actually, they're in, in Philly. I moved them out here like three years ago. And they moved out here, and they I mean, they didn't have no family, no friends. They're they not like, from they here. Like, oh, they're not it. from here. They're not from here. Going back. And they're like, this this place is boring for us. The, the Philly cheesesteaks is, is not good. Exactly. I'm going so back to it. Yeah. They went back, and they, they're actually in Delaware right now. Oh, wow. And so we're 100% virtual. So cold callers, Ben closes, does everything. The follow-up people just put them, the alley-oop, they assist it to him. He closes everything. I don't close. I don't do anything. Amy does the skip tracing, the lead pulling, the lists, and everything, and all that stuff. So, so I think because I'm my whole team is virtual, and we're in the Philippines, so m- most of my guys get paid between four to five dollars an hour. Um, and I, I and I pay a ton of bonuses to of my. Of course, that's oh, how they man. stay. That's how they stay motivated. Oh, yeah. I do the same. Right, we My team looks very similar to yours. The difference is they're all in Venezuela. Yeah. Everybody's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I do the same. Bonuses. and. Yeah. I mean, know. I tried South American callers and everything, but I think because of the language barrier. We don't call call. So yeah, you don't call so, call. Yeah, so exactly. we just text. Yeah. So um, you guys text. So I tried cold callers in Costa Rica and Colombia. I just, I think... I don't know. It didn't work out for me. And I always went back to the Philippines. And a lot of people say, no, Filipino accent. Man, they're... No, Filipino my guys, is good. Man, I it's got, good. Oh, they're good, man. I got, they speak English like they were born here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my girls, man, and I, if they hear this message, they're amazing. Without them, I yeah. could not be doing this business. They are hitting the pavement. And you got to understand, they're working night shift there. Absolutely, yeah. 12 o'clock, they work from 12 to 9 there. So, but we do a lot of... We keep them motivated. And I pay on... When we get a contract on one of their leads, we pay them a bonus. When we close, and they have nothing to do with it. Right. But it's their lead. We pay them on that. We pay the highest 
highest agent, um, highest leads of the week gets a bonus. Second place gets a bonus. The most contacts in a month gets a bonus. Or we pay everybody on bonuses. My oh. manager gets everybody's bonuses. Everybody is making bonuses on something. What so, are you using to call call? Uh, call tools. Okay. Call tools. So call tools. I tried Zen call. Didn't yeah, like shout it. out to Chase Alcaraz. That's Chase. that's that's, that's who. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we. Oh man. They. We. I mean, call tools. My, it's one of my biggest expenses, I think, in my business right now. Yeah. I think we pay a lot of money. It's like a paying rent. Oh man, it's I think, a, I think a, my bill last month was like eighteen hundred a month. That's right. If you got ten dollars, then that's where you are. Because so a lot of things, a lot of people. I don't know if you're cold calling. A lot of people that are cold calling. You gotta switch your numbers up. Like my manager, on every hour she checks all the numbers, and I buy 10, 20 numbers a day. Oh wow! A day, man. Yeah, so that's a, big a year expense. ago. This was not an issue. But now the phone company is getting or, hip to it. They're getting flagged. Oh, man, we get flagged. But so it's it's part of business. Like a year ago, I never bought a single number. Maybe once a month, they wasn't getting like scam likely. But now, we just switched numbers, and I mean, like you just gotta adapt. So I think the issue with our business is gonna be is technology. Had I mean, no matter what, people are going to be losing houses. People are going to be foreclosure taxes. The motivation will always be there. Always be there. How you get to them? I don't care if I have to mail a hundred thousand letters to get a deal. I'm going to do it. I say that today I'm texting. Yeah. Tomorrow I might be on the hologram campaign. Exactly. I will put a hologram in front of their house, like, yeah. "Hey, here I am. I'll buy your shit." You know, like NFTs, whatever it is, you're going to buy real estate through whatever or another. It is. Yeah. So. Um, it's, you gotta uh, adapt. You, you gotta have adapt. to adapt. You have to adapt. And that's what I did. I did mailers. I, I did. I had my own mailing company. So I, I hear a lot of investors like, "Oh, cold calling don't work no more." It works. No, it works if you work it. Yeah. I mean, listen. I used to call two hundred dollars a month, and we used to get three to four deals a month. Now we're we call, man, like sixty between fifty to seventy five thousand people a day are dialing. Of course, in between all of them, because you're between doing $10,000 exactly. a day probably exactly. per agent. 20, and from that, we get, on average, 20 to 25 leads a day. So, it's a, and I mean, most of the leads you get, people that want crazy prices. Right. So, we filter them down to our, and like I said, we do, th we're not no 10, 20 deals a month company. We do three to four deals, but our deals are heftier. Yeah, yeah, they're good. They're good deals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I like I, I was trying to do all the deals, like three grand, four grand. Now I say, man, if we, we just shoot for the the cream. And I mean, not not making 50, 60,000. Our average last year was about like twenty three dollars to $24,000. Still good. Average. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank God, I mean, but wholetailing is my model. And we're primarily in Houston. I know. You don't agree with me on that. I got to go. No, it, you got to do whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, but well, I mean, eventually I might have to go out of it and go Texas wide or nationwide or whatever. But for now, I mean, it's it's not broken. Why fix it? I guess, you know? Yeah, it's until working. it breaks. <laughs> till, till it breaks. Because yeah. that's what happened to me. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, like, I just couldn't get more deals. And I'm like, man, or it was too competitive. Or I was even talking to guys last night and they were like, man, it's hard to get. And I, I. It is harder to get deals in Houston, for sure. I see it. But they're still out there, man. And I think since a lot of guys are going nationwide, they're leaving us more space. So it is true. Um, I, I see it for sure. So so when Harvey happened, yeah, uh, the whole country came to Houston, right? Everybody. Guess what I did? That was the first time I went outside of Houston. You're like, light bulb, I'm out. 
I went to Tampa, Florida. I remember. And I started I remember, yeah. picking up houses in Tampa left and right because everybody was concentrated here. Yeah. And I would, Mo, I would <laughs> send letters. Like, let's say I would, uh, my day to send letters was Thursday mm -hmm. because I know the letters will hit on Mondays and Tuesdays. Yeah. Okay. And I would send them first class. So I will get <coughs> on an airplane on Monday. Wow. And on my way there, I had a girl in Tampa, Carol. Making appointments. Making appointments. And when I got there, she had me up on, hey, I got you up on this street. <coughs> so I'll go, I'll go rent a car yep. and start Straight going on appointments, wow. locking up deals. And then I'll go to the hotel. She'll show up in the evening, and we'll go have a couple of beers and talk about how it went and all that. And then I'm like, all right, now we got to sell these things. And then that was the whole thing, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh But so I started doing virtual, not so virtual, because I will still yeah, yeah, yeah. go yeah, yeah. physically until I saw Nick Perry doing it over the phone. And I was like, wait a minute, dude. How is it that you do this over the phone? Yeah, yeah, so Ricardo, yeah. it's the same thing as same doing thing, it, man. It's it belly you, to belly. You, yeah, yeah. And that's when I said, okay, I got to do this on the phone. Yeah, I think we're like 95% over the phone. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming in, man. I it's been a pleasure you, talking to you about... All of your uh, different uh, journeys in, yeah. in this uh, world well, of real estate you. and your life. Uh, guys, don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Find Mo if you want to ask him a question. He's all over Facebook and Instagram. I don't know. I, I know yeah. you're on Facebook, but I don't know, yeah, yeah, about, yeah. I don't know about Instagram. <laughs> um, but June 24th, 25th, we got the Real Estate Entrepreneurs event in Austin, Texas. Make sure you get a ticket to go there. I'm looking forward to see you there. Bye. Bye.